Good morning, Skillman Church of Christ. How are we doing today? Can I get some response out there? That's, that'd be so ice cold. How are we doing today? Awesome. It's good to see you guys on this Sunday morning. It's been a great week for me. I hope it's been for you. Uh, before we begin uh, this third installment of the Jesus uh, Sermon Series, I do have two quick announcements. Uh, the first announcement has to do with uh, some things that are happening during the week and uh, some things that we'll, we will be providing for you guys uh, online. Uh, Jake and I, we're the ones that are tasked this, this job of preaching every, every Sunday. Uh, we, we tag team and we preach, but both of us know that, that this, by no means, this, this sermon should be the end all. This is just a moment in the conversation. It's just a, a, a moment in time where we can generate some more conversations, some more questions. And uh, in no way can we, in 20, 25 minutes, answer all the questions and go deep in these issues. And so uh, part, part of what we've been trying to do this year specifically is try to create other opportunities for learning, other opportunities to go deep in the text. Uh, because sometimes in this format, it's hard for us to go as deep as we want to go uh, just uh, the way that it is. And so uh, a couple things. Number one, we've really tried to revamp our Bible class uh, this year. And if you, I don't know if you know, but Bible class has been solid, awesome so far in this 2019 year. We've had more people come to Bible class in 2019 than in several years prior. And so it, there's something happening. There's something deep happening in Bible class. And so I uh, just wanted to put that word out there for you guys. Uh, if you are in, looking for a deeper conversation, if you are looking for uh, a, a deeper look into the scriptures, a time to kind of talk uh, with some of, uh, of the Christian community who, who are also living uh, this life just like you, Bible class is also an, an incredible way to do that. Uh, it meets 9.30, an hour before this time, every Sunday. So please consider that if, if you are uh, looking for something deeper to really enhance your faith. It's a complement to what we do here uh, now. Secondly is we're trying to do some more stuff online. And so today I'm speaking on Jesus the Christ. It's a very complex issue, and in 25 minutes, there is no way I can really get, get, get down into the, the nitty-gritty details of this theological concept. And so what we have done is this for the first time ever that I know of. The first time ever, uh, we did a bonus interview. In fact, uh, last Wednesday after church was over, I took my car, went over to Alan Martin's house, uh, Dr. Alan Martin. And uh, we sat down around his table and we talked for a good 30, 45 minutes about the Christ and what it means. And so uh, this next week on Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, I don't know when we'll upload it, but somehow, someday we'll upload uh, this uh, interview. It's going to be called the bonus interview about the Christ with Alan Martin. And so uh, if you, on your website, on the skillman.church, you can go to, to resources and you click sermons. You can have a list of all of the podcasts, or if you, have, if you subscribe to iTunes or whatever, wherever you find uh, podcasts, uh, it'll be on there under the Skillman Church of Christ. But uh, it would be something that could enhance your journey, and it would be something that can help uh, continue that conversation on such a complex, deep issue. Uh, second announcement is this. If you are an elder or an elder couple, could you please uh, stand up, raise your hand or stand up? All right. Oh, here we have. Okay, that's great. Um, we have Mike and Carla Young right there. Can everybody say hello to Mike and Carla Young? Um, <laughs> we have the David Alexander right there. Oh, yes? Raise your hand. 
And uh, we have, uh, man, I'm having <laughs> getting stage fright up here with the names. We have the, I know these guys, David and Lorna Griffin right there. Craig and Barbara Gray right here. And the Calvins right here. <laughs> Hold on for a minute, if you guys can stay standing. This is great. This is great that I'm having a little stage fright. And, you know, sometimes when you're up here, I wish you were here on my point of view, you know. You have 200 people looking at you. Uh, These are our shepherding couples at this church, and they are incredible couples. Uh, Incredible couples who give their time and who give their uh, energy, their resources to the spiritual education of this body. And I just wanted you to take a look at all these these couples. There are some that aren't here today, um, the Prudes and also the Williams. Um, and, uh, and so each, after each sermon, we have this thing where we say, will you come and will you stand in when you sing? Well, 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 come while we stand and sing. And during this time, the elders will be on the exterior of this room. Each Sunday this happens where they stand and, uh, they are waiting uh, for anyone who might need prayers. And so I just wanted to give, give an, uh, a face to a name. Uh, that when this happens during the service, that you are welcome to go and pray with these individuals on the side of the room. And a little update, too, because uh, on Monday we had a meeting. And they said that, you know, sometimes they stand there and no one comes, you know, because uh, they're engaged in worship. But this Sunday they're going to maybe enact something new where if no one is actually coming to them, they're going to seek people out in the audience. So today, during this closing song, uh, for those that are around the area of the elders, if they come and pray with you, uh, this is part of a, something new that they're trying to connect uh, with, with the church in, in a greater way. So let's give these guys a round of applause right now, uh, and guys and girls. And... But uh, anyway, this is uh, it's an incredible time to be here at Skillman, and we are in the middle of a series about Jesus the Christ. And uh, each week also, when we give the invitation, we invite people to come and be baptized in the name of Christ. It's something that we offer each week during the invitation for people to come and to, to clothe themselves in baptism in the name of Christ. And I think in 2019, it's hard for us to really understand the significance of such an act because it's not part of our culture. But in the ancient Near East, when Jesus lived and he walked and he taught and he breathed, this uh, act of baptism meant something Deep. It was an incredible act of devotion, and it was uh, being baptized in the name of somebody meant that you were, you were going to be their disciple, that you were falling in line, falling at their feet uh, to be their disciple, to do whatever it was that they commanded. And so uh, each week we offer that invitation for everyone who is interested to come and partake in that journey to be a disciple of Jesus. And we've been talking about Jesus this, this week, how, how what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I couldn't help remember, remember back in the 90s, they had those bracelets that were very popular. That I think, raise your hand if you had one of these bracelets. Now, does anybody know what this means? WWJD. What would Jesus do? I mean, this was a huge, I mean, it was like the modern day equivalent of fidget spinners. You know those fidget spinners that became very popular? These bracelets in the 90s were off the charts popular. Everybody was wearing them. And it had this simple phrase, what would Jesus do? And it kind of 
the message is so powerful, it's a shame that it becomes a cliche. But essentially, this is what we're talking about. To live life the way Jesus would live life. In every single aspect, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do with our work in our work? What would Jesus do the way that we look as a church? What would Jesus do in the decisions that we make? What would Jesus do? And this is kind of bringing us back to the core of who we are as disciples, remembering what would Jesus do? And I, I did do some research, and apparently there are, there's a group that believes that that question wasn't as, as good enough. And so there's a new edition coming out. Coming out. I'm not quite sure when they're going to sell it. But it's J-W-P-N-H-G-H-I-T-S-I-T-F-P. It's a new, uh, it's a new bracelet. And I don't know if this was in response to, to, to something. But basically, it's Jesus would probably not have gotten himself in this situation in the first place. Would anybody buy one of these bracelets? (laughs) But it is undeniable that Jesus lived and walked and breathed on this planet. Jesus was a real person who lived in a real time and in a real place. Jesus understands what it's like to be human. He understands what what it's like to sweat. He understands what it's like to have hunger pains. He understands what it's like to stub your toe. He understands what it's like at nighttime when you know you shouldn't open the refrigerator and get those chocolates, but there's something inside of you that wants to, to munch on something, and so you, you crave to the, <laughs> to, the, to, the, uh, to the chocolate, you know, to the cravings. Jesus lived, and he walked, and he breathed as a, as a, as a real person. Jesus lived 2,000 years ago in modern-day Israel, Palestine, as a poor, as a Jewish carpenter who was living under the Roman Empire. And you know, we call Jesus, Jesus, but in the ancient language, Jesus, his name was Jeshua. Can you say Jeshua? That is what they called him in the ancient Near East, which was a derivative of the word Joshua, which really means that Yahweh is salvation. God saves. That was the name that Jesus, when people spoke of his name, was what they would say. Jesus was a minority. Jesus was part of an oppressed people. So, so much of his teachings are directed towards confronting injustice and giving a voice to those that are marginalized. Jesus lived. Jesus walked. In fact, many times in the Gospels, he is described as Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus, the son of Joseph and Mary. Jesus, there's no question that he lived and walked as a human on this earth. But it's interesting that if you read the epistles that are after the Gospels, If you read Romans, and if you read Ephesians and Colossians, and if you read the the writings of Paul, there isn't much emphasis on Jesus of Nazareth as a person. There isn't much emphasis on Jesus as a rabbi, Jesus with his disciples on earth. In fact, there's a different word that's used time and time again in the epistles that describes this Jesus. This word that they speak of is Christ. Jesus, the Christ. In fact, it was in Pentecost on Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, when Peter, in his first message to the people, he stands up before everybody and says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Jesus the Christ. 
It's important for us to realize that Christ means something. Christ has significance. Christ isn't Jesus' last name. I mean, there isn't a story in Scripture where he's with a bunch of kids, and the kids go, Mr. Christ, Mr. Christ. And he stops and says, no, 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 that's my father. You can call me Jesus. (laughs) There wasn't a Joseph Christ. There wasn't a Mary Christ. Jesus, the Christ, had great significance. In fact, the word Christ derives from the Greek Christos, a translation of the Hebrew masik, meaning anointed, and is usually translated into the English as Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, the chosen one. Jesus, the anointed one. It's almost like it was in that movie, The Matrix, when they called Neo the one. This is Jesus, the one the one that would bring all things to fruition. And it's interesting that the, in the first generation of Jesus' followers, this is what they focused on. This is what they sunk their teeth into. This is what they wrote about. It was Jesus, the Christ. Jesus, the anointed one. Jesus, the chosen one. And it, they wrote about it as something that was being revealed time and time again. Over time, they used the word mystery. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, and if you have your Bibles today, you can turn to the the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians is in the New Testament. And if you have the Bibles that are in front of your seat, uh, the ones that are in the pew, it's on page 1,817. Page 1,817. And this particular passage that we're going to read is on in page 1,818. Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 7, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment. To bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You see, this message, this, what God is up to, it's described as, as a mystery. It's described as a mystery that over time is being unfolded. We're learning the details as every day goes by. And Jesus Christ was the manifestation. Jesus Christ was a part of this unveiling of this mystery. You see, this, when, the, when the words are used, mystery, and when Christ is used in the, first, in the first century, in the first letters, they're acknowledging that God has been up to something this entire time. That from the very beginning of time to where we are today, to the end of time that God has been working, that this Christ has been there, that he has been working from the very beginning until now. I mean, Paul uses mystery, this word mystery, time and time again in his letters. In Romans, he uses it time and time again. 1 Corinthians, in Colossians, that Christ, this idea of Christ is something true. And it's something that has been embedded in all of history. That it's been there the entire time, but now it's being exposed little by little, understood and experienced like never before. You read the prophets, you read the Old Testament, and it's all leading to this Christ, this anointed one, the chosen one that would redeem the entire world. You see, it's important 
that we understand that Christ is connected to the larger story. That it's not just Jesus who lived 33 years on the earth, but this idea of Christ goes back to the very beginning of time. In fact, when the, when the early authors write about Christ, they speak of two different themes. Number one is creation. That this Christ was involved in creation and the birth of new life. In fact, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and in the darkness has not overcome it. You see, this idea of the Christ is something. The Christ is about creation. It's about bringing new life. It's, it's about when something is dead, making it new again. The best example of this is Christ, who was who raised from the dead after three days on the cross. And this same power that rose Christ from the dead is the same Christ that can bring life to things that are dead today. Whether it's a marriage that is stagnant, a marriage that is dying, a marriage where there's no, there's no mojo, the Christ can bring in there and bring new life to things that are dead. Whether it's a kid who you feel is lost, who is not making the right choices. The Christ is what that is that can bring life to something that seems so so desperate or in despair. It's the Christ that can bring purpose to a life that has zero purpose. It's important to realize that in the first century, this idea of Christ is something that brings life, creation, innovation. And the the writers time time, time and time again speak of this Christ as the beginning of life and new birth. The second role, a theme of the Christ is reconciliation. That this Christ is working to bring all things together in the world. Romans chapter 5, it says that not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So this Christ is doing two things. This Christ is bringing new life and new birth to the earth, and it's also reconciling the world in the way that it should be. It's when you see something that is not right, when you see something that shouldn't be the way that it is, when you feel that in your heart, that it's not the way that it should be, that is the Christ telling you that there is a better way. There is a way that God intended the world to run, and the way that you see it is not it. So here we see in the early church this idea of Christ. It's something that connected the church in the first century to all to the very beginning of time, And it continues now to this day. Christ is still at work. And that's the important message that Paul writes about, the New Testament scholars write about. And why do we talk about it today? Why is it so important for the church to know and to believe in this Christ? Why do we sing to the Christ? Why are we Christians, Christians? What is it all about? Well, it's interesting that when Jesus, his first words to his disciples were, follow me. But do you know what his last words were to his disciples? His last words were, go into all the world. His first words were, follow me. The last words were, go into all the world. We are commissioned to carry out this message to all the world that Christ is this source of life and is this source of reconciliation. 
In fact, in Ephesians 3, the, the, the scripture that we read, in verse 10, it's on page 1,820 in this Bible. A few pages to the, to the right. It says that his intent, the intent of Jesus, his intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now this, this role of Christ, we are the body of Christ, and now the role of Christ has been put upon the church to live out the teachings and the mission of this Christ. Richard Rohr, the, uh, the famous author and speaker, speaks of how this Christ figure, Christ, has manifested itself through time in three different ways. The first time was in creation. And in Romans 1, we see that Paul's writing about how we can see the evidence of God in creation. So Christ was evident in this creation, the mountains and the valleys and the oceans. The second manifestation of this Christ was in Jesus himself. Jesus Christ was the incarnation of this Christ, the human, the human interpretation, the human image of Christ on the earth. And finally, when Christ left, he gave the same mission to the church. The third manifestation are Christians, the ongoing beloved community, which is sl slowly evolving through all of human history. This is our mission. We are the body of Christ. I mean, look to your neighbor and say, I and the body of Christ, and you are the body of Christ. Look to your neighbor and say that, man. We are the body of Christ. It's important that we, as Christians, that we realize this, that we have a mission, that the same mission that Christ was up to in speaking new life and reconciliation, we, as the body, we have that same mission. Because you know what? It is so easy. It is so easy for us to forget what our mission is as a church. It's so easy to get caught up in our subculture. It's so easy to, to get caught up in our own conversations that we forget the larger story, the larger picture of why we are here. I mean, we built this building so that the church could meet in a comfortable place with a roof so that when it rained and when it's cold, we could gather together. And we gather together so that we can encourage each other. But in the midst of all these things, it's, so, it's sometimes easy for us to get caught up in our own self-preservation, in self-preserving the institution, the church. It's so easy to get caught up in how we can maintain this, that we forget the very purpose of why we are here. That we forget that we are the body of Christ and we have work to do. We have things to do. I mean, it's easy when we see declining numbers. When we see less people coming to church each and every year, it's easy for us to put our thoughts and our resources into trying to fix this problem, fix the problem of declining Christianity, when really our focus should not be on, could it be that our focus should not be focusing on trying to fix this, but being about the Christ mission of fixing the greater world that we live in. It's almost like this story that, uh, that I heard about this farmer. And this farmer was given a plot of land to grow crops on. And uh, so this farmer was so pleased and grateful for this huge plot of land. And so he goes, and the first thing that this, this farmer wanted to do was build a house. And so just so he could live and he could be nearby the, the, the farm, the field where he was going to work. And so he builds this house, and then all of a sudden he said, well, I need some workers. 
So he and his wife, they, they start having a family, and they have lots of kids, and, and they begin, their family begins to grow, and, and there's the newborn phase where they're just so intense on and trying to feed these babies and keep them alive, and, and then they realize, well, man, we need more rooms in this house <laughs> to, uh, to, you know, for these kids to live in. And so they start building extra rooms for this house, and the house gets bigger, and so these, every kid has their house to live in, and then all of a sudden these kids are kind of just kind of fighting about which room they should be in. And, uh, and so they have to have meetings about which, what room they should, they should go on. And, and uh, next thing you know, there's a subculture in the house, and years go by, and the farmer forgot what brought him to the field in the first place. He's so caught up in making himself ready. He's so caught up in the subculture that he forgot to plant a single seed. He forgot to go out into the world. And it's so easy for us in this environment in church to forget our mission, to get caught up into what we are doing as an institution or as a body. It's so easy to look inward when the Christ story calls us to look outward. I can't help but think about Jesus' words. If you want to save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And Jesus' words, they, they make me wonder, could our demise, could our problem, could our, could our frustration stem from the fact that we are trying to save a precious religion or a precious institution and traditions? Could it be that that is where our focuses have been and could it be that the Spirit of God is calling the church to stop trying to save itself and instead to join God in saving the world? Could it be that if we shift our focus in that way, instead of trying to save the institution, what if we fixed it to save the world in the name of Christ? And could it be that people would be so excited about that that they would join in with the, the fun of being a part of the Christ message? of new life, of reconciliation? Could it be that we have work to do? Because it is an injustice. It is an injustice for somebody to be sold into human trafficking. Though there are millions of people who are affected today through modern-day slavery. It is an injustice for somebody to die simply because they do not have access to clean drinking water. It's a severe injustice when corporate greed sabotages progress in society and prevents individuals from receiving simple things such as food and health care. If anybody should be concerned of matters of injustice, if anybody should be advocates for righting those wrongs, it should be the Christ followers. If anybody should be concerned about clean drinking water, about ending modern-day slavery, about providing things like mosquito nets for those in areas where there is a rampant disease of malaria. It should be the Christians, the Christians, the followers of Christ, because we have that same mission. We are another manifestation of this Christ, because Christ lives within the body, and we have that same mission. Christ comes and tells us that all people matter, and it is part of our mission to be a part of this better world. St. Augustine has a quote. He says that hope has two daughters. One is anger and the other is courage. The first, anger at the way something is in the world and courage to do something about it. So today, that's the question for these Christ followers. We are 
Christians. We are a part of the body of Christ. We have a greater mission to be a part of. The same mission that Christ had to speak life and new creation into the world and also to be ministers of reconciliation. We are ambassadors here on this earth to this Christ mission. So what is it that is making you angry? What is it that you need the courage to do something about? Does that have to do with education? Does that have to do with the wealth gap that's widening in the United States? Does it have to do with the environment and pollution? What is it on your heart that you see a need to speak out? It's not right that there is reconciliation that needs to take place. And do you have the courage to do something about it? That is the Christ message. Is it children? Is it helping children who are without families? I mean, we have a ministry here, our Father's children. I mean, talk to these guys about ways that you can get involved in righting this wrong that we have in our own neighborhood. What is it that we can get involved in to be a part of this body of Christ, this Christ story? How can God work through you, and how can Christ work through us to speak new life into things that might be dead, to innovate, to reconcile, and be about the work of bringing all things together in that way? The rest of the service, while we meditate and while we sing, let's think about how we can emulate and embody this Christ message. That we, in 2019 in Dallas, that we are a part of a story that began from the very beginning of time. That this Christ that is within us, this Christ that is moving humanity forward, this Christ that is talking of new life, this Christ that is reconciling all things, that we are a part of this, and we carry the, the privilege of continuing on this mission here and now. At this time, when we sing, the elders will be on the side of uh, this church building. And if you need prayers, please go to them. They may come seek you out. If you want to know about baptism, you're more than welcome to come forward and talk to me about it. But why don't you come while together we stand and we sing. Yeah.